Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Please follow along with the reading of the word of God. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become calloused, have given themselves over to sensuality, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Father, I think about the Apostle Paul's prayer. We come to this text, and I think that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give each of us a spirit of wisdom and of the revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so that we will know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Teach us, Father. We are in a section here that I call Off with the Old, On with the New. It is a typical contrast that the Apostle Paul likes to use on a regular basis. And it's um, a contrast of the old man versus the new man. The old man was in a terrible place because they are useless. and Their ignorance professing to be wise, their foolish hearts are darkened. They profess and they seek what human mind can come up with. And if you read Jeremiah, you realize that the human is desperately wicked and deceived. And who can know it? And we went through this in depth, and I gave you four different things to look at. It. One is the futility of their mind could be the vanity of their mind, basically the uselessness of their mind. Their understanding is darkened. That means that uh, they are excluded from the life of Christ because of this ignorance. Because of this ignorance and the futility of their mind, their darkened understanding, they become callous. And when they become callous, they hand themselves over to sensuality. They uh, practice every kind of impurity, and they do it with greediness. Greediness is just what it says. I mean, it's, you know, when you're greedy for something, and then you realize that your brain ain't functioning, you don't really have a purpose except for self, 
You become greedy for it. But he contrasted that and he says, but you did not learn Christ that way. Okay. If you really think about what he says, it's, it's kind of a slap to lost people. You're too stupid to find Christ. Okay. Your mind is useless. You couldn't find Christ with a map. Because your brain has no purpose. And you have given yourself over to the evils of the world. And you do it with great passion and enthusiasm. So you couldn't learn Christ that way. Now he moves in that thought. Indeed, if you have heard him and have been taught in him. In him. So it moves from this, you learned Christ. Somewhere, I shared with you out of Acts chapter 2. Somewhere, somebody preached the word and it pierced you. And as the crowds in Jerusalem, when Peter preached, what must we do to be saved? And we learn Christ. Once you have stepped into that arena He moves in us into literally thinking for us. Okay? If you go back to the history of the great saints of God, you realize that there are times when you see people, what we would classify as nobodies. These are nobodies. And yet, these nobodies turn the world upside down. Or at least they're they're part of the world. You think about uh, at Pentecost when the church was born, you had twelve men who had hung out three years with Jesus, probably another five hundred followers, and you and I are part of that. That's not bad, considering that they. These Galileans don't know nothing. It's like we think about some of the people in the South. Well, you ever heard them talk? <laughs> Gee, Okay. And, and yet, well, they didn't know that. They don't have an education. I'm running into that in our community here. Everybody's educated. And, and you just, you sit and you listen to them and you're like, oh, you didn't retain any of it, did you? <laughs> or something. I don't know. It's, Maybe it's leaking. And, and, I, and I don't understand it because there's a big push in the United States that you must have a qualified, educated man to do this. I remember Riverside's pastor was killed in a car accident. And they went almost five years with no pastor. I mean, they had a bunch of guys kind of move in and out. Some of the people in the church move in and out. So they call all the executive board members in. Did you know I was an executive board member? <laughs> How weird is that, huh? <laughs> the proverbial thorn in the saddle. But anyway, they called us up. And they said, you know what? We are, we're having trouble. And so you hear the pontificators. Well, what is it your, you know, what is your description? And, they had a little job description thing that they laid it out and said, this is what we're looking for. We want him to have a doctorate's degree. 
He has to be over 41 years old. Prefer him to be married but with older children. I just read the list, and I just sent her going, scratching my head. And then they looked at me and said, well, what do you think? And I says, you disqualified Jesus. I mean, you put qualifications on a man that Christ couldn't qualify for. Wow, what do you think the problem is? I said, I got one question. What's that? Where's the widow? They said, what? Where's the widow? Well, we told her to go back to her parents in Missouri. And that brought God on her how? See? You're not thinking. You're not letting Christ think for you. I remember when Dr. MacArthur, I was talking with him. He took over the pulpit in 68, I think, 68 or 69. <laughs> he says, I can, I'll can. i be honest with you. There's about five of us at a table. He said, I'll be honest with you. The only reason they hired me was because I was young. And I said, what? He said, they had just gone through two pastors in a year and were caring for their widows, and they wanted somebody that would live a little longer. <laughs> Okay, so you sit there and you go, all right. But there's a difference between you and your intellect and your understanding trying to rationalize what the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is doing. So you shift from I have learned Christ that I am now taught in him because he says in the next phrase, Jesus is truth. Okay. We... We know truth. Did you know that? We know truth. You know why we know truth? Because Christ thinks through us. Okay? You know, uh, in my years of serving and walking, I have realized that 100% of our problems, okay, I can summarize in one word. 100% of all of our problems, I can summarize in one word. You know what the word is? Selfishness. Paul told the Philippians, consider others more important than yourself. But everything that we struggle with comes because of me, myself, and I, a.k.a. the false trinity. <laughs> okay? You see, the, it's, I would like to tell you I'm just this really smart guy who just, gee whiz, but this has taken me decades of banging my head against the wall, bowing before the Bible, thinking I got it figured out, getting smacked in the head by the Bible, knowing that I didn't have it figured out, getting back up on my legs, understanding I better stay on my knees, I don't have as far to fall. Okay? And you do that over and over and over. And I have been in that process uh, as a senior pastor for 25 plus years and 35 years of walking with the king. Sometimes walking with the king. Sometimes being drugged by the king. 
Okay. And that is the process of, gosh, this old suit stinks. It smells like it's decaying or corrupt or something. And yet you don't even know that until you start learning Christ and he starts thinking through you. And you start looking at everything. Have you ever heard that? I don't know if it's a song or a saying or something like that. Look at people through Christ's eyes. I don't know. It made him weep. So. Why don't we think through Christ's mind? You know, I've got 66 letters here written specifically to me in the mind of God. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. We are no longer shameless. We are no longer hanging on to immorality. Instead of having no basis or purpose for life, we now have a purpose in life. A single focused goal in all of our lives. Kind of cool. But every once in a while, it freaks you out. I remember the first time I flew into Moscow going, you have got to be kidding me. In my head, you know what it was? Went through my ears. Back in the U.S., back in the U.S.R. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's godly. <laughs> okay? So, that's the steps. That's the two that I've already started with. Okay? You learn Christ. He invades your soul and he beats the stew out of your conscience. And then he teaches you truth and you start holding up. Thus saith the Lord to, well, I thought. Okay. And sometimes it's brutal. I mean, it's easy to say, well, okay, adultery, that makes sense. All right. I'm in. I'm, I, I understand that. Jesus may hate it. My wife would kill me. So, I mean, odds there are slim. Okay. Stealing. Well, yeah, I know, I know. But then you all of a sudden you'll play with a little coveting. I remember a year or so ago, I was thinking about getting a car for my wife, but I thought, well, she she could have my truck. And there was a, I think, 69 or 70 Dodge Challenger with a blower on it. And I'm like, that's a pastor car. I don't have it. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, did he get it? <laughs> no, I didn't get it. She got some kind of Buick thing. But when you realize you're thinking the way Christ is, I guess a fruit of that would be verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Okay. I call that. We have now. Instead of being shameless. And not really caring. What people think about us. Or what people think about our Jesus. And things like that. We ourselves. Each and every one of us. Become sensitive to sin. We are called. To put off. That former manner of life. That the old man was. That. If you read on, 
which is being corrupted in accordance with lusts of deceit. Okay. Epithumia of lies. Okay. I am. Now think about that. I'm get up. It's Monday morning. And I think I shall lust after lies. But if you're thinking in your own frame of consciousness, guess what? That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. If you start thinking in the frame of worldly understanding, then you are lusting after lies. Hey, when I went to school, public school, they taught us creation and evolution. They're both theories. Right? What about now? They can't even teach you which bathroom to use. You see what I mean? Oh, we had a thing called a brontosaurus. There ain't no such thing. Somebody put the wrong head on the wrong body. Then they got it right, and I don't know, we got a diplosaurus, or who knows, who cares? You see what I'm trying to get at? Science has got it all figured out. If you don't believe me, ask them. Until they prove it wrong. Right? I'll give you a science test. Ready? Something I learned, I think it was in 7th or 8th grade. You know what volume is? How much space it takes up? The ice cap's going to melt. We ain't going to have much land left. It'd be nice. Kansas would be oceanfront property. Okay? There's a problem with that. Even if you melted them. Here's a scientific test for you. Take a glass. I don't care how big. Fill it halfway up with ice. Fill the rest up with water. Let it melt. Okay? Will it overflow the glass? Volume. See what I'm trying to get at? Man runs around in all of his really smart stuff. And I'm sitting there going, what? I mean, they know stuff that is absolutely positively useless. Okay? I mean, they did come up with Tang. I like Velcro. I'm trying to find me some Velcro dress shoes. I haven't found any that I could sneak through. Microwaves used to be really cool. I remember there when there wasn't any. But now it's just a leftover machine. Pick your leftovers in there, bring them up to temperature, and pull them out for a cup of soup. I'm not sure what that is. Because the old man wants to be corrupted by deceitful lust. Right? I go back to our all 100% of our problems is what? Self. Okay? So what's driving that? Me. This will be good for me. 70 charger with a blower will be good for me. My wife would know where I'm at every night. I'd be in jail. (laughs) 
I didn't know it was a school zone. But now, guess what? The old man didn't know what the corruption was. Guess what? Now you do. One of the things you learn, you know, you say, well, adultery and stealing, uh, murder. But then Jesus said, oh, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. Oops. Because I know none of you guys have ever done that. Right? If you call someone a fool, yep, you already done it. You're, you know, you're a murderer. See what I'm trying to get at? Anybody here been angry? By God's righteous standard, that's murder. Stealing. Coveting. Just that charger. <laughs> it's gone, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. God has removed the temptation, which is better than removing my eye. As a believer, we know what the corruption is. But as we grow in Christ, then we start realizing the corruption in its smallest doses. Okay? I remember young in my faith, I was proud to be an American. Okay, red, white, and blue. And as a Christian, there's nothing wrong with that. Really? Ask Satan what pride gets you. There is no place in the house of God for pride. Sorry. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how smart you are. There's no place for it. Because guess what? If your mind ain't thinking as Christ, then you're going to be self-centered, which is pride. And let me tell you something. You will, as you grow, you will be more sensitive to the smaller doses of sin than you ever was. Now, I need to give you a footnote here. This text refers directly to the individual. Because we are oh so sensitive to other people's sin. That is not what this text is teaching. Not in its context. If you see a brother or sister in sin, you who are spiritual do what? You pick them up and you carry them. Until they're able to gain their strength and walk on their own. But we like to, I shall cast the first stone. I'm positive he's got a beam in his eye. Let me get it out. See, when you are sensitive to your own sin, you're not really that quick to say, well, I can't believe that they're doing such and such and such and such. Because you're sensitive to what you do. Listen, there is nothing as miserable as a sinful Christian. Hear what I said. There is nothing as miserable as a sinful Christian. They are oh so wretched 
Okay? How do I know? Been there, got merit badges. Okay? And I know it's terrible. There is no peace. There is no joy. There is anguish. And you can't decide whether you're coming or going. But you always feel like you're making really good time. See, every one of you, I believe, if you're honest, now that you are born again, we know what it is to be corrupt. But because we have moved into Christ with depth, we also know the result of the deceitful lust. See, I know this thing about deceitful lust. It's never satisfied. It's an unquenchable fire. And I don't care what it is. You could, man, there's so many things you can hang on that. But yet, I'm smart enough now in my understanding of who Jesus Christ is. I know how it corrupts. Go read the 50s Psalms where David got busted with Bathsheba. My bones are dry. And I always thought, well, that's kind of a weird thought. What is bones are dry? But then when you get into the same case that he did, maybe not sexual sin, but some sin, and you know it's a sin, and you're sitting there trying to, it's not a sin, it's not a sin, it's not a sin. Oh, it's just a little sin. It's not a, it's, it wasn't like a big sin. And you realize shortly thereafter the dryness of your soul. That is a Christian. A Christian is sensitive to their own sin. And if they're really strong in the faith, they are sensitive when someone says, that looks like sin. Most Christians right now are going to pop a cork. How dare you judge me? And all the stuff that they'll throw at you. I had a person who had left this church Angry at me. Angry at me. It's been a few years. He's angry at me. And I knew he was, and I talked to him about it, and you know, that's and it and if I talked to him about it, it'd just make him angrier. And so you just said I've I've sowed my seeds. He goes, a week ago. I get this on my office door and whatever, I opened the door and I was like, here's the guy who's angry at me. <laughs> and he had a, some paper and, and some other things. He, he wanted to talk for me a second. He says, I ain't got along. He says, I'm on a mission. I was like, well, don't let me stop anybody on a mission. And uh, he says, I want to apologize to you. Of course, you immediately think, is he armed? And he's, he said, I, I want you to forgive me. And I said, I don't know why. What? And he said, I judged you. He said, and I hadn't walked with you, but I judged you. And I'm sorry. You're like, this mean you're coming back? <laughs> what does this mean? Because i got to be honest with you, in all of my years, I have never had that happen. 
I've had a lot of people mad at me. But I have never had anybody say, I'm sorry. Okay? That's what it is to be sensitive to sin. I was talking about it briefly this morning. And I'll probably have to deal with it a little more next week. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody knows that one. Um, begins in chapter 5 of Matthew and goes through chapter 7. And it starts off with this phrase. Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth. He began to teach them, saying, this is what is called, the, the real smart people call it Beatitudes. Okay, and what it means is, I don't know, I think there must have been a military guy, but it means be of this attitude. Okay, Beatitudes. He opened his mouth and he starts there with number three, or verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The beggars in spirit is a literal term. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of God. See how now you understand in my understanding why pride is so nasty to me. If yours is the kingdom of God, how can you as a beggar boast? Okay. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be Comforted. Blessed are the gentles, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. You know what that is? That's somebody who is sensitive to sin. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, so they receive mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart. They shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. clear. That's real clear there. Those who are in the kingdom of heaven are mourning. The people of the kingdom, the kingdom people mourn over their sins. You ever seen people mourning? You ever been at a funeral? Man, what a mess. What a, what a mess. There's nothing you can really do you can point to Jesus, but until they turn and look, there's not a lot you can do. You can pray with them. You can hold them. You can, but when you have a death of someone related, a spouse or something like that, you can't. I've seen it a lot, way too much. And yet that same mentality is what you and I should be doing over our sins. Not everybody else's. 
Wow, did you hear such and such? Or did you see such and such? Well, I saw this. I remember one time I installed a bunch of lights at a liquor store. They they were changing over those, (laughs) you call them rip-off ballasts. These will save you energy. Yeah, but they only last about 30 days. (laughs) And you pay twice as much for them. So either pay the electric bill or pay me. (laughs) One or the other. And I came out of there. Somebody saw me. Terry's in the liquor store. I got lost. I thought it was the post office. (laughs) How old's I to know? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? See, let me mourn over your sins. Why? Because yours are easier to mourn over. When I have to mourn over mine looking in a mirror, sometimes it's just not that easy. See, we know what the corruption is. And we know the result of that deceitful lust. The Beatitudes show us that kingdom people mourn. Again, it's not over everyone else's sin. There is no glossing it over here. I know a lot of people read through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, and 7, and they say, well, but he went, and he might, and, he and you're here, and they're doing spiritual yoga. It's straightforward, people. If you think you've arrived, read that. Because the people he was speaking to were everyday Jews who said, I'm a Jew, I'm in the kingdom of God. You know what? I know people who says, I'm a Baptist, therefore I'm in the kingdom of God. I went to church today. I'm in the kingdom of God. Yeah, do you mourn over your sin? Are you taught by Jesus? Is Jesus your truth detector? Is your mind renewed daily? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? First John, John tells us, if we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in you. And you make God a liar. Does anybody want to get up and say, Today I shall make God a liar, for I have not sinned. I just, that doesn't sound like a safe proposition to me. But he also says in the same text, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You know what? That is evidence that we are being forgiven. Why? We confess our sins. You know what? You're right. That is a sin. What I just did was a sin. You're right. That's confessing your sin. I don't need a bunch of people calling me saying, well, I need to confess. No, you know, don't confess to me. I'll be in the same line with you. Confess it to him. You get there, the word exposes it. You say, yep. That's a sin. Got it. Now help me overcome it. A true Christian is sensitive to his or her sin. A true Christian will acknowledge that it's a sin. Paul was never so sensitive to sin than after He was saved. Okay? You remember in, uh, was it Romans 7? Oh, wretched man that I am. 
Who shall deliver me from this body of death? That's a Christian who is sensitive to sin. I'm going to close with this thought. What I just read to you by the Apostle Paul right there in 7 of Romans, that is never a one-time experience. Because you can have a sin a year ago that just made you feel vile and made you mourn. And you know what? That little stinker can show up again in March. But if you've paid attention to your Bible, you're already on your knees. You're already knowing your mind daily. And when it comes, you can go, move on down. That's theological somewhere. Antarctica. (laughs) It's not a one-time experience. If you're truly honest with Scripture in Romans 7, you understand that it is a way of life. Okay? When you're sensitive to sin, we face it. Because if you face it, you deal with it. All right? Lay aside the old self. Lay aside the old self. Remember the old stinky garments that are futile in their thinking, darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, ignorant because of the hardness of their heart. Give them over shamelessness. So, The old self and the new self. One more point. The new self next week. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much that uh, we are new creations. Wow, man. Like never before. That never existed before. And yet, oh, wretched man that I am. The struggle. The struggle the world throws at me. And the struggle of the stinking old man. But yet, greater are you who is in me than you who is in the world. We love you. In Christ's name. Amen.